This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season will bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together other like-minded organizations who are all focused on making disciples. Our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You're about to hear from two speakers, one of whom is Shadonke Johnson, who has been heavily involved in his country's prayer and fasting movement. Discipleship.org has released a resource in partnership with Him Publications about prayer and fasting called Revival Starts Here, and it's written by Dave Clayton. It's designed to help you and your entire church learn how to fast and pray for the lost together. You can download the free visual primer to this book at discipleship.org ebooks. It's a fun visual sort of introduction to the book. So look for the Revival Starts Here primer at discipleship.org ebooks. In this short primer, which is a lot of fun to look through, we tried to kind of spice it up with some graphic design, we'll show you how this book has been used to unify literally hundreds of churches in Nashville to pray and fast for the lost together. So go to discipleship.org ebooks and download this free primer so that you can take the next step for you or for your church with regard to prayer and fasting. Today we're featuring an episode from the track at the National Disciple Making Forum called The Holy Spirit in Discipleship, and the episode for today is called Discovery Bible Study, featuring Shadonke Johnson and Alex Absalom. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you love to reveal yourself to us. We thank you um, for the power of Scripture. We thank you that it is... Uh, living word and it can transform so many situations we thank you for the many times where we've been impacted and shaped by the bible personally and we we're hungry to to do a better job of helping others to hear you in scripture and lord we're not just talking about christians we're thinking about our non-christian neighbors and friends and colleagues and And so, Lord, we sense there's something here which is for us to grasp onto and to take hold of. So we pray now that you would guide us. I pray for Shadonke and myself as we lead and facilitate, help us to share uh, content and inspiration that's going to be helpful. But most of all, Father, we pray for each one of us personally that we would be sensitive to your spirit, what it is you're saying to us, what we can take from this and apply in our own context. Just as we're in the Lord's presence, I have a picture of, um, I think for, for some of us here, and it's, I saw a person uh, padlocked to the Bible, and it didn't feel like a positive thing. And I just have this sense of, we, we honor scripture, we, we value it, we're, we definitely, absolutely want to be women and men who are shaped by the Bible, but, um, but sometimes we have preset paradigms for how that's going to work in our lives or how we are to um, allow it to disciple others. And so, um, so Father, we just want to, where we have that, I pray that you help us to lay those down now. Um, not in a foolish way, but in a way that's just wise and attentive to what, you, what it is you're saying to us. Because, Lord, we want to be people who, um, we want to be obedient to you and we want to form uh, disciples 
who are characterised by obedience to you and to your word. So Lord, we thank you for your presence now and we uh, ask for your guidance and all that takes place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, Okay, we're going to take 30 seconds, turn to your neighbour and tell them which is your favourite ever Bible verse. (laughs) Super quick. Okay, be quiet. (laughs) All right, we don't have my phones to to, to boost our voice, so you have to help us with that. All right, uh, raise a hand if you said or heard, uh, let's do it. John 316. Okay, uh, Jeremiah 29. Okay, something like that. Uh, something, one of those cool kind of prophetic verses from Isaiah. Anyone heard that? Okay, anyone have. Uh, as, yeah, Isaiah, that's how Jesus says it, just yeah. so we. <laughs> 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 anyone have. Uh, as, uh, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its vomit. <laughs> Good life verse that. I mean, uh, all right. Shadonke is going to steer us now. Thank you so much for for being here, and that we together. Our commitment is that God will use us as instrument of change. Yes. Wherever we are, wherever the Lord will take us, wherever the place of our assignment is going to be, because really it's, the assignment is in His hands. He assigned us to places. And there are times we don't want to go there, but if we obey him, that is where he's going to use us. And so it's very important as we start to discover Bible studies, I normally tell people, if there's anything you're going to discover, discover where God wants you to be. And uh, once you discover that, then I'm telling you, the work is half done. Because he's going to do that work for you. And um, the second thing that you have to discover is to discover... What is the gift that God has given you? What is that gift? Every one of us have a gift. Don't tell me you don't have one. You have it. Once you discover that gift, it doesn't really matter your age. God will use that gift in place of your assignment. And it will bring glory to his name. And so I want to encourage all of us, as we do this Discovery Bible Studies, because of time, let me just tell you a little bit about my background so that you know. I come from a very interesting background. Um, my father is a Creole by tribe. The Creole simply means the English Creole, not the French Creole. Um, from Freetown. My father is a generation, comes from the generation of the returned slaves. And so, you know, when the slaves, they wanted the slaves to go back, they bought this land in West Africa by the Atlantic Ocean from the local people. And so they called the place Free Town. So that means anyone that gets here, you are free. So the city is called Free Town. So all that portion of land that was bought was really given to the slaves as their inheritance. So that is why even in Sierra Leone, all the land in the western area by the Atlantic it's really, it was owned by the queen and then later by the government, but it really belongs to those that came back. So that's why I'm called Johnson, you know, because uh, these are names you find of most of the returned slaves 
either from Europe and other this part of the world, they went back with the surnames of their slave masters. And um, as a Creole, my father being a Creole, we did not really have any rights into the protectorate. That means the rest of the country, apart from Freetown. So if you wanted to go to the protectorate as a Creole, you needed at least what I would call like a visa in the same country to go there. And um, my dad came from that background. And most of the Creoles in Sierra Leone, they dress like their slave masters, they spoke like them, and they tried to be educated like them. So most of the Creoles, you know, had to either study law, they were lawyers, and so most of the first judges after independence, well, most of them were Creoles. Mm. Medical doctors, all they were economists. Those were the areas you found. So my father coming from that background as a Creole, and they were Christians, most of the Creoles were believers in Christ Jesus, because that's what they taught them. My father traveled out of Freetown, went to the protectorate in an island called Bonth Island. In this island, is a big island also by the Atlantic. It's uh, the tribe that is there, it's called the Shabro. And my father saw a young, beautiful lady, and he fell in love with that lady. Well, the people said, look, we cannot even give our daughter to you to be married. Because you are a Creole, that's the first thing. And the second thing is that you're a Christian. So forget about it. But my dad was not a man that could take no for an answer. <laughs> so he kept on knocking the door, kept on doing all the things you could do. And finally, he was so kind to the family. And I know when he was alive, I always tease him. I said, Dad, I know why you are kind to the family. You saw this young lady, you wanted a lady. He said, you know it, my boy. <laughs> so, so eventually the people said, okay, we are going to give our daughter to you to be married. But on one condition, you should not convert her. She will never become a Christian. My dad said, okay, that's fine. And so we are products of that marriage. Eight boys, I mean, I'm four boys and four girls. When I grew up, we were going to church, but my mother stayed at home. She prayed five times a day. She was a Muslim. So we went to church. So we grew up in a home where I saw a Muslim mother who prayed five times a day. And on Sunday, we go to church. We would go to church. She would not go to church. My father was so strict on the Sabbath. On Sunday, we do everything on Saturday. We scrub, clean, iron, do all the cooking on Saturday. On Sunday, you just heat the sauce a little bit, get a little bit of food and go to church. And once we come back from church, you sleep for the whole of the day. Every, all, everybody knew, all our neighbors knew us for Sunday. The house is quiet. Even the dogs in the house understood the They will not bark on Sunday. So that's the kind of background that I came from. And um, gradually... When I went to school, I went to high school. I went to a school that was built for the sons of the chiefs, by the kings. Mm -hmm. They built a school. The colonial masters built a very nice school called Bo School. Bo Government Secondary School. It was only for the sons of the chiefs. But what happened was that the chiefs were afraid to send their children to school. Because they were afraid that the white men would take their children away. So they sent their slaves to the school. Oh. So their slaves went to the school and they became educated. So we had medical doctors that were really slaves. 
So that's what happened. So I went to that school, and um, eventually it's a body home school. All boys, all boys, we are all in the body home. But in that school, I was exposed to Scripture Union. You know, a club that was looking at the Bible. So I started going to that club, and uh, I started understanding the Bible differently. And then one Sunday, a friend of mine called Peter Kaimo invited me to another church outside my own church. I had never moved outside my own church. That was my first Sunday. So I dressed up, put up my suit, and went to this church. And I was, it was quite different from what I knew. But there was a guy called Claude Gray. He came in there as a guest preacher. I've never seen any guest preacher in my life. The church I was attending, a Methodist church, you know, all of the pastors there were retired judges, retired lawyers, retired, very educated. So everything was all in grammar. That's what we say back home. High English. Now we came to this church. This guy was talking in Creole, the local language. But he was talking about the lost tribes in Sierra Leone. All the tribes that were lost and what, how these people are dying and they are not making it to heaven. When he finished preaching, he said, is there anybody in this place who will want to be trained and coached and sent to the north for four years as a short-time missionary? I mean, four months as a short-time missionary. He said, if you are here, put up your hand. I was seated in the front pew. The reason is I've always been in church on time because my dad, we always were in the church before even the janitor. <laughs> so we always had the front pew to ourselves. So I, that was part of my life. That's why I like to sit on the front pew. Anywhere I go, I'm always there. So I put up my hand thinking that who can hear a word like this and don't, don't be moved. And then the guy said, stand up and come in front. So I came in front. And then I realized I was the only one. Oh. <laughs> and then I said to myself, what have I done to myself? <laughs> but the reason why people did not put up their hands, all of them, these people from these other tribes, they knew what the North meant in our country. The tribes were very tough. And they knew it, the place, the terrain was tough to go there. And so nobody put up his hand because they knew. I had no idea. I was just excited by what the guy had spoken. But he trained, he started to coach me. And I came back and told my mom that this is what has happened. I initially studied economics. And so I came back and told my mom, my dad wanted me to go and study law. So we we're kind of in that process to go and become a lawyer. And I told my mom, my mom said, your dad is not going to allow you. You know that. I said, mom, find a way to convince my dad. <laughs> so that at least I can go for four months and come back and go and study. So my mom said, I will try. So she kept on trying when he told my dad. My dad said, no, he's too young. The north is too tough. He can do this. You know, he can be a missionary. He's too young to be a missionary. All the things my dad knew. He was genuine like any dad mm -hmm. trying to protect me because he knew far more better than me, especially the area I was going to go to. But finally, one day, my mother said to my dad, if this is what God has called him to do, you cannot stop him. Wow. Yeah. And my dad said, okay. So my dad called me, he blessed me, and he said, go. So I went to the north. I did not know anyone there. I wasn't speaking the language at all. I went there. When I got to the north, I realized why nobody put up his hand. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I, I, you know I, I said to myself, wow, this is one of the most Stupid thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I can't go back again. I'm already here. I have to do something. So I, that's where I started praying and fasting. Mm -hmm. 
God. Mm. And I said, God, you have to show me what to do. I'm here. Mm. Teach me what to do. And gradually, God started to open the doors for me. The first bed I was given to, they gave me a bed and a, and a mattress. It's a savanna. That means it's a grass. Would make a grass like a mattress. I mean, that was the headquarters for all the bed bugs in the world. <laughs> oh. I mean, when I lie there at night, the bed bugs, they will attack me from every angle. Oh. In fact, that's where I got to know that bed bugs, they have trained military people. <laughs> and they know how to attack. Some of them will come down everywhere. So I had to move from the bed. I started lying down on the floor. Those three, I'm telling you, they will literally match to meet you where you are. Oh. <laughs> but God used that to break me more. Yeah. To really make me so humble. Mm. And I took up a job to teach as an economics teacher. When I went there, there was a secondary school that needed an economics teacher. So I volunteered. I said, I'm here. I can teach economics. But the only thing I want you to do, you give me 10 minutes every morning so that I will talk to the students in the school. Don't pay me. That is my salary. They said, that's easy. And that's how I started the process. And I became what I refer to myself as an accidental missionary. <laughs> it was not in my plan. But I fell in love with the people. I loved them. And I found out that these people, they are really lost. And they needed Jesus. And that's how we started the process. And families, I was doing extra classes for students. They would invite me to their houses to take extra classes. And I did extra classes. And that created more relationship with the family members. And some of them would begin to tell me, they trusted me, and they would tell me all what they were going through. Mm. I had no way how to answer them. I always told them, I have a God. And I know that God answers prayer. Can I pray for you? That's okay. And I prayed. And I started to realize that God answers their prayer even faster than he will answer my own problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. And these people will share testimony of what God is doing. And that became the platform. Most of them started to accept Jesus, started studying the Bible. They got saved, families were baptized, and the process started. Today, I want to thank the Lord that indeed I became an accidental missionary. Yes. Yeah. That is why I'm here today. Because of God. Yeah. And we went into the war. The country had a 10-year civil war. And uh, I was a church planter. Grew up planting church. I stayed in the north for five years. So I went for four months. I stayed there for five years. <laughs> had disciples, and then one day the Lord said, okay, it's time to move to the south, and I went to the south, started replicating what I've learned in the north. But I came to this country after the war in 2001, just five days before the September 11th thing. Oh. And uh, just coming from a war-torn country, I was arrested five times during the war, came close to a point of death. I don't know why. God kept me alive for a time like this. Yes. Because I was tired that one day, the tide, you know, in the war, the, the rebels will tie you so much that my fingers could touch the back of my neck. Oh. I was in pain. And the guy had a pistol in his hands, the commander, and his boys had AK-47. Mm. They were just waiting for command to shoot. And this guy was so furious with me because I've been, they have been killing people, they have been burning down houses in the name of God. They will burn down a house, burn a whole family alive. And they will shout, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar, which means God is great. God is great. God is great. And they would do it. So I started to tell them the God that I know is a loving God. It's a kind God. 
he cannot do the things that you are doing. So that message was not a popular message. Right. <laughs> so they were looking for me. And that's the reason why they arrested me. <clears throat> One day I was just going out, you know, to find food for my family. And that's how, they, one of them recognized me. Because most of them did not really know me. Recognized me. And that's how I was arrested. And this guy with a pistol in his hands said, I'm going to kill you. When I kill you, go and tell your God that I killed you. He said, your God, you have been talking about your God as a good God, kind God. He can't do anything now. Your God can save you right now. He was so furious. And in that pain in my hands, I bowed down my head and I said, God, if this is my time to die, I'm ready to die. But Lord, please, before I die, let me die with one more person. And God, give me boldness to talk to this commander. And after talking to him, if he shoots me, that's fine. But I want to die with one more person. Amen. And let it be this commander. Amen. So I lifted my head Amen. and I said, Commander, before you shoot me, can you give me five minutes so I can talk to you? <laughs> he said, go ahead and talk any nonsense. You're already a dead man, but go ahead and talk. I said, Commander, please do me a favor. I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I said, because Commander, right now if you shoot me, there are angels all around this place waiting to take me to heaven. I said, but Commander, if you die, you will not make it to heaven. I was so bold. I said, you go to hell. I said, but if you do me one favor, if you accept Jesus right now as your Lord and personal Savior, and then you turn around and shoot me, I said, I want you to know, Jesus will forgive you. Amen. And both of us will be in heaven. I said, when you die, you also make it to heaven. I said, because Jesus loves you, Commander. He cares for you. And his hands are widely open waiting to receive you. Aww. While I was talking, he had this pistol like this. I saw the pistol drop like this. Aww. And when I finished talking, he looked at me, he looked at me. He was lost for words. And he said to his boys, untie this man. Let him go. Something is wrong with his head. <laughs> and that's how they let me go. A few weeks down the road, this commander came looking for me. He found out that in my hideout where I was staying, and he came to me with his boys. You know, when my wife was outside, I'm inside. My wife saw them. She was scared. And he said, where's your husband? My wife said, he's not around. And she was trying to protect me. But I was also afraid that if I don't step out, this man may harm my family. So I came out. I said, Commander, what's the problem? He said, I want to talk to you. So I went and stood under a tree. And the commander said, do you know the way you spoke to me? Nobody. Sorry. You want to? I have it. Okay. <laughs> Is that? No. That's the gentleman who's deaf. It's a microphone so he can hear. Oh, my bad. <laughs> He said, do you know the way he spoke to me? Nobody has ever spoken to me that way. Mm. You are the first person. He said, and I go to bed. I lie down, I don't sleep. Mm. Your voice has been coming back to me. Mm. He said, that's why I've been looking for you. Mm. And that's how we became friends with the commander. <laughs> commander became my friend. And out of that friendship, I disciple commander. And I baptized him with some of the boys. Wow. And commander became a follower of Jesus. Yes. Amen. The, the issue is that after the war, I came to here. I have a friend, best friend here, James Drasley. He's almost like a father to me. I adopted some children that were victims of the war. So we came here, my very first time in America, and uh, to do some facial surgical operation on this adopted son. And so one day he told me, should I get they have, there's a guy in town, they're doing this, this course, this training. And there's a guy coming called David Watson. Can you go and attend? Do you want to come? I said, 
He said there's free food. I said, okay, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> For 10 years, I've not been eating. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure wherever there's a free food, I eat something. So I went for the training. And this guy came in, David Watson. And he's talking about spontaneous church growth. And what was happening in India among the Bujapuri tribe. And he's talking. I'm sitting at the back. At this time, we had planted like nine churches. So I'm saying to myself, what is this guy talking about? It's either lying or he really knows what he's talking about. After the training, me and Jerry, we met the guy at the back and he became our friend. And that process went on. He went to Sierra Leone, trained the leaders, and we made a decision that this is the way we want to go. And since that day in 2005, things have never been the same. God has used this to raise leaders and multiply leaders. I have literally seen the most unlikely people become followers of Jesus, disciple makers. I have seen in every area, I mean, not everybody in the country is a disciple, but I'm telling you, the influence of this process has touched so many lives. You go to the army, all the chaplains in the army in Sierra Leone have been trained and coached. So we have people who are brigadiers, colonels, majors, lieutenants, they're involved in this process. Before I came, the, the, the soldiers, the army was telling me they've planted more than 86 churches. Mm -hmm. Planting churches. The police. We've done the same with the police. People who ride Okada, you know, with motorbike, mm -hmm. like a taxi. Every area, because for us, it's March 24, 14. No segments left behind. Amen. Every Drug addicts. And all of them are using this process that we're using. Simple, easy, and you can take it anywhere. So as we do this, you can tweet. You want, you can, you can change some of the languages to fit your culture, that's fine. It's all God's language. But the first thing is, why, why DBS? Why Discovery Bible Studies? Why do we do it? The reason why we do Discovery Bible Studies is to really help. Reason number one is to help the people so that they will discover for themselves Christ yes. in the Bible. They will discover for themselves Christ in the Bible. Or the truth in the Bible. So somebody's not telling them. It's not saying my pastor said, my elder said. They discover for themselves. The second reason why we do it is that we want to make them obedient-based reproductive disciples. We want to make them obedient-based reproductive disciples. So that as a read, as a study the word, you know, they obey mm -hmm. and they go and do it. Amen. The third reason is that is to empower the common man, the ordinary Amen. person. Right. Empower them. This work is not going to be finished by professionals. Because if you graduate all the professionals the same day from all the universities, there will not be still enough to complete this task. That's right. We need the ordinary people to do this in their own oikos, their own network, among their own friends. So when they are empowered, then they will do it. If they are not empowered, they will not be able to do it. And the fourth reason is to give a tool that is so simple, that is so simple, that even a 12-year-old can use it. So simple, that even a 12-year-old can use it. So that is some of the reasons why we do DBS.
Now, what is the ground rule? There's a ground rule. Ground rules. There are things that we need to take into cognizance when you're doing Discovery Bible Studies. Number one, when you're doing Discovery Bible Studies, it is very, very important that you don't allow one person to dominate. Because some people will dominate the whole thing. Don't allow one person to dominate the process. Number two, it is important for the people to know what they are discovering. What are we discovering? Discovering love, discovering kindness. Let them know. Don't just go through the bar, but let them become the mind of people. Really, we go so easily if they know this is what we're discovering at this point in time. This next one week, this next two weeks. So they look forward to it. It's very important. Point number three, it is important to keep the process very short. Don't make it too long. Don't make it, you make it very short. Short passages. Then the process will be short for that day or for that week. And then we go to the next week. We go to the next week. Keep it very, very short. <coughs> it's also important, another ground rule that is also very, very important, that there should be no cross-references while you are doing a particular text. No cross-reference. Oh, you know, I read one book. This, no, stick to the passage. Stick to the passage. You don't want to have so many cross-references. I think that's one of our problems. The moment you begin to have cross-references, then what will begin to happen is that um, you begin some argument. No cross-reference. Just stick to the passage. If you are going to read John chapter 10, verse 1 to verse 15, stick to that. All right, somebody brings cross-references. Okay, no, thank you very much for that, but we'll deal with that later. Let's stick to this. Yeah. Very simple. And um, it is also very important when you do uh, Discovery Bible Studies. You make sure you get to the place of obedience. The question of obedience. Don't make a short cut. Get to that point where you're going to ask them, how are you going to obey this passage? Because it is very critical. It's very critical. The other thing that is important that we have to take as a ground rule for the Discovery Bible studies, allow it to depend on the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will flow with it. <coughs> Let the Holy Spirit flow with what is happening. Don't be the Holy Spirit, please. <laughs> Don't be the Holy Spirit. Right. And then finally, the other ground rule is that you are not a teacher, you are a facilitator. You are not a teacher. You are a facilitator. Facilitate the process. A facilitator. Okay. Don't be a teacher. You don't have to answer all the questions. Your own job is to ask the questions. Allow the people to answer the question. If, if you know, ask the Lord, God, give me, restrain me not to answer anything. <laughs> Allow the people. Let them do the talking because you want them to discover for themselves. So your own job as a leader, a discovery leader, is to really ask the questions. And once you have this, the next thing is the questions. What are the questions we ask in Discovery Bible Studies? One of the questions we normally start with is that, what are you thankful for this week? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for this week? If I ask somebody what you are thankful for this week, 
I want to ask as we do this. Can somebody tell me what you are thankful for this week? Anybody? Being Life. here. Being here. Being here. Life. 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 Any other person? My husband. Huh? Having the Holy Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit. Any other person you want to try? Flavors. Huh? Flavors. 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 All the flavors. Okay. Answering prayer. prayer. So you see, people have things they are thankful for. Ask them, what are you thankful for? Just allow them to talk. Then after that, you ask the next question. What are the challenges that you are faced with this week? What are the challenges that you are faced with this week? People freely one of the reasons why you are saying, what are you thankful for, is to show gratitude to God. Because you are trying to coach your disciples to be grateful to God. Even if it's just to see the sun. We have gone to discovery Bible studies in the villages. You know, some of those old women will say, I am so thankful because I'm alive today, I'm seeing the sun. That is a big thing. You know, so that's gratitude. And then when you ask them, what are the challenges? Because you are asking them what is the challenge for two reasons. One, you want to join them to pray. But also, most probably, somebody in the group may help them walk through the challenge. So, what are the challenges you are facing this week? So many people, you know, it interests you when you do this thing. You know, from our guys from the field, they were doing discovery Bible study in the village. And they asked the question, and there's this old lady, she put up her hand, what are the challenges? You know, everybody has showed their challenge. They say, I'm, I'm challenged because my snuff bottle, I did not see my, my snuff bottle. You know, in uh, Africa, people use snuff, you know. Uh, so it's, that was her stress. Uh -huh. That's okay, because here we also have what I call American stress and Western world stress. Right. And some people tell you, you know, my dryer is giving me some problem. Uh, you know, my cleaner is, my vacuum cleaner is not working. <laughs> that is your own stress. In Africa, we don't have it. Uh, yeah. You know, but everybody will have something. Yes. That is their challenge. And we'll have to pray for those challenges. Or maybe somebody will walk, help you go through those challenges. Once you've done that, the next thing is that you read the passage and you reread the passage. Read the passage and reread the passage. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Read the passage. Don't only read it. You can read it twice or three times. If you have people who can read, as leaders, don't, you don't read the passage. Just tell them, can you read two verses, please? Two verses? So everybody is participating. Because that's one of the things in discovering Bible studies. Everybody should at least participate. So they will read. Now what we do in, in, in oral cultures is that either the leader or somebody in the group knows it already. They know the, the passage in their heart. So they can read it in their own local language. Verbatim. They can read it. Or we have what we call faith comes by hearing. Where we have this recorded, you know, gospel. And so, for example, we're doing Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 to verse 10. All they do is that we press Matthew 10, 1 to 10. And they listen in their local language. We'll play it again. And then the third time, and then we'll press pause. And we'll begin to ask this question. It will surprise you to see how these people will just answer like that. So it's it's wonderful. So you read the passage and reread the passage. Maybe after the first three people have read, the next set people can read. After doing that, you ask them the next question. 
who can summarize this passage or summarize the passage in your own words? Summarize the passage in your own words. Summarize the passage in your own words. So you are giving them opportunity not to say the Bible verbatim back to you, but to put it in their own words. Yes. You know, for all the years I've been doing this, I, I have this research mindset also. I have done Discovery Bible studies with people who never went to school, and I record their answers or write down their answers. And I've done Discovery Bible studies with maybe graduates and people who went to school and even high school. I record it. And with people who are professors in universities, I have looked at all their answers <coughs> and I've taken the commentary and looked at the commentary. It will surprise you. Mm. How these people who never went to school are saying the same thing with professors mm. what are people who went to school. Wow. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. So it is very important. So once they summarize the passage in their own words, we ask them this question because we want it to be personal. What do you personally understand from this passage? Now that you have summarized it, what is your personal understanding? What is your personal understanding? And what does this passage mean to you? <coughs> and people will say, I mean, we, we do discovery Bible studies, you know, um, <coughs> we see people say things about their past, some of them the first time, first time, listening to the scripture. First time. One day we were doing the Discovery Bible Studies and the Muslim guy, he has been seeing us doing the Discovery <coughs> Bible Studies on Friday, you know, in the area where I stay. And so one day he said, what do you do? I always see you people meeting that, what do you do? We said, oh, you know, we just sit down together, we search God's word. And he said, is it okay if I can join you? We said, okay, yes, it's okay, come and join us. So he came one day and joined us. And what he can read, so we told him to read some passage. He read the passage. And by the time we went to the Discovery Bible Studies, he loved it. He kept on coming. And um, today, I mean, he will always tell me, man, that word of God is very powerful. I say, yes, that's what it is. You know, he can do it. So what does this person mean to you? <clears throat> and when they answer those questions, the next question, how are you going to obey? I mean, sorry, what, what did you discover? What did you discover or learn about God from the passage? Based on this passage, what did you discover about God? This is to show, this is really to bring out the attributes of God from the passage. What did you discover about God? Or what did you learn about God from the passage? Now some people say, oh, from this passage, I've really learned that God is a kind God. God is a good God. And once they keep on having that in their mind, when somebody else comes with a false doctrine, honestly about God, they are not going to move. They said, no, I've learned so much about what God is, so you can't fool me. I have seen people who never went to school asking pe people who are theologians. Theologians tell them things and they say, can you tell me where, show me the reference in the Bible. <laughs> tell me where we can find this in the Bible. I remember a pastor friend from United States. He has a double master's. He went to visit. And so we took him to the villages and he started sharing some of the things he were doing. People were constantly asking, can you show us where this is in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. He, and one of the, the mistakes he did was that he said, well, we do baptism and we baptize once a year. And the people said, is that what Jesus did? 
Can you show us a reference? <laughs> I mean, he was so taken off, off guard. And, you know, he came back to me and said, Shudanke, I went to college. Nobody has ever asked me this question. I traveled all the way to this place. He said, now people are teaching me Bible. He said, we'll go back and make sure I'm well prepared for, for this. So it's just, that's just what happened. The ordinary people begin to ask questions. They begin to ask questions. So we ask them, what did you discover about God? And the next thing is that, what did you discover about or learn about people from the passage? What did you learn about people from the passage? For example, if we're doing John 3, 16, 16 to 17, maybe just two verse. From that passage, what do you discover about God? When you look at that passage? Yeah, he, loves. What? He, loves. he loves. He's a loving he God. Yes. He is a loving God. Any other person from that same passage? He's a sacrificial God. He is a sacrificial God. Any other person? What do you learn from that passage? And God, he's a father. God is a father. So you see, you begin to learn these things from God. And from the same passage, what do you discover about, about people? We don't need to perish. Huh? We don't need to, all, we are sinners. Is that not what the passage yeah. says? No man is a sinner. That's true. But man also has a tendency not to perish if you believe in Jesus. So we, you find a lot of things from just a single passage. <coughs> And once you do that, you go to the next question. How will you obey this passage? How will you obey? We call it the I will statement. How will you obey this passage? Now, this is not about your sister or your brother in the group. You know, in church, we have always been used to saying, you know, he, you know, no, how will you obey the passage? It starts with you. Discipleship starts with you. You can't give what you don't have. You can't hit what you cannot see. So it's very important. How will you obey this passage? I'll give you two examples of what has happened. We had a local chief in the Discovery Bible Studies. And this local chief is like king. I mean, very important people in his own community. And they were talking about discovering the power of love. Now, after that Discovery Bible Studies, one of his eyewitness statements was that I'm going back to my wife and my children, I'm going to ask them to forgive me. Because I've realized that I was not really showing them love. I was so tough. I thought that was love. He said, but from what I've learned, I'm going back. He said, I'm also going to call my elders in the community. The way I've been ruling them, I've realized it's wrong. And he went back. That's what he did. And then the elders said, Chief, I mean, this is really great. But how did you, how did you get to this? <laughs> and that's how he told them about Discovery Bible Studies. And that opened them also to begin a Discovery Bible Studies. There was another couple, they live in a house for four years. They will not talk to each other. The husband did something terrible, and he could not say sorry, and the wife said, if you don't say sorry, this is the end. But he stayed in the same house. No greetings, nothing, for four years. <laughs> this lady joined a Discovery Bible Study where they were talking about the power of forgiveness. She would come every day, went through that series for weeks, and she went back home in the morning, the first time after four years, greeted the husband and said, good morning. Now, the husband was not a believer. He was shocked. What is happening here? But he didn't say anything. And the wife said, will you come back home early today? Today, I have a gift for you. Hmm. In his mind, he said, what is happening? He went back, he went to his place of work, told some of his friends, 
Say, something is great, my wife, I don't know what is happening. You know, he has been looking for this opportunity. But pride could not allow him. Right. So by two o'clock, the wife called him. He said, I'm waiting for you. I have this gift. He came back home. And there was a very nice, delicious dish prepared for him. The dish he loved. Aww. So he sat down to eat. Why is eating by his own testimony? He's thinking, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> he's eating. What is thinking? And while he was eating, the wife went down on his knees oh, and wow. said, I want you to forgive me. Oh. I know this thing happened so many years ago. I was expecting you to say sorry, but you did not. However, I realized I was wrong. I asked you to forgive me. Why she's doing this, the husband grabbed the wife and said, I'm begging. I think I wronged you. My pride did not allow me. I should have said sorry to you. Mm. So I should say, ask you to forgive me. So both of them are saying, no, I should have some forgiveness. <laughs> and wow. when all was over, the husband later asked the wife, what happened? How did you get to this? And the wife told her about this discovery Bible studies. And he said, I want to see these people. I want to be part of this. Mm. That's how he also became part of the Discovery Bible Studies, was baptized. Mm. And they live happily today. But not only that, when the children saw this, that brought the children also unto the Lord. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So we have seen Discovery Bible Study, how it works. And one day I had this incident. It was all out of what I've learned from Discovery Bible Studies. This is a real thing, very funny thing. You know, in Africa, we, had, we do whole night prayers. Whole night prayer is a prayer that you do from, from 10 to 6 in the morning. Then half night prayer is a prayer you do from 8 to 12 midnight. So we do that in the movement. We do a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. We call it abundant prayer. So when this whole night prayer by 3 in the morning, my house was just very close to the church. I had the keys. I have locked my door. But I started getting the impression. Go and check in the house. Go and check. I'm saying, I have the keys. I'm going to continue to pray. But the impression just kept coming, so I decided to go to the house. I met my house wide open. The doors were wide open. But I have the keys in my pocket. And then I saw this figure, a tall, huge guy. He's just packing some things, packing. And I asked him, who is that? You know, in Creole. Now who that? That's Creole. Who is that? And he replied to me. He said, now me. That means it is me. But I'm wondering, I don't have this voice in this house. And then I asked him, now who that's not you? That means who are you? And he said, not me. That means it is me. Then I realized this was a thief. Uh. He came in to steal. So, you know, I shouted, that's what we do in Africa. Thief! And then people came, we grabbed him. Some of the guys, you know, from the whole night wanted to begin to be. I said, no, no, no. Because in Africa, when they catch a thief, because most times they don't take you to the police. It's just jungle justice. They just beat you and release you. Oh. I mean, that's, that's what happens. And so, <laughs> you know, so they wanted to beat this guy. And I said, no, no, no. But you are in the whole night prayer. And you want to beat this guy? No. <laughs> so I told him, I said, what? I said, we brought him to the, I said, let's bring him to the church. So we brought him to the church. And I told him to sit down. So he sat down. We locked all the doors and we continued to pray. <laughs> While we are praying, he's looking at us. And these young guys that I had, you know, we come around when I'm not looking, they will give him a little bit of kick on <laughs> When I realized that these guys were desperate by 5.30 in the morning, I knew we would end by 6. I took him out while they were praying. I took him to the house, put him in my room, and I said, sit down here. So he sat down there by 6 and went, where is this man? Where is this man? I said, I've released him. 
It was there. I went back, made a nice tea, a cup of tea for him with bread and some butter, and I gave it to him. I want you to know, that started our friendship. I went to his house, I called into his house, and when we got to his house, I met his wife and his children. He introduced me to his wife, and said, this is my friend. Well, we did not explain what we met. Friends are friends, <laughs> But the summary, I saw poverty in that home, rare poverty. I took money out of my pocket, gave the wife to buy a bag of rice and some condiments. And later I provided clothes for him and for his wife and his family. He started coming to the church. We went through Discovery Bible Studies. After six months, he was baptized. He said he's going to the east to do some business. While he was in the east, in a diamond town, he wrote me and said, I've come to this place to do business, but I've been thinking about you. He said, I really want to be a pastor like you. Aww. That's how he was trained to become a pastor. Today he has a church that is more than 500 people, oh. and he has planted other churches. Wow. Discovery Bible studies help you to really work in obedience, even when it, it really don't make any sense to you. So you ask the question, what is your Irish statement? And then the other question you ask, who are you going to share this passage with? Who are you going to share with? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell the passage? Now that this is what you are going to do to obey, who are you going to tell? This gives them opportunity to begin to reach out, to find people to start relationship with. The lost people or people that are saved, you are giving them opportunity to begin to go out. So we see from the initial point, lost people are beginning now to engage their friends. Because everyone on this planet has their own network. And so they begin to reach out to their network one by one, creating relationships. So the person will start discovering Bible studies today and begin to reach out tomorrow. They will not have any clue that what they are doing is what we call evangelism. But as far as they are concerned, they want to obey. They are working obedience. And the last question we ask is that, how can we pray? Based on this passage, what are the things that we can pray about? Based on this passage. Now, we, we always start discovering Bible studies with prayer, and you end with prayer. You start with prayer, you end with prayer. For us, prayer is very important. Because you want your disciples from the initial stage to really begin to experience what prayer looks like. How can we pray? Let's say we do John 3, 16 to 17. And I ask, how can we pray? What are the things that we can pray about? Anybody want to say something? What can we pray about? That we don't perish. Yeah. Okay. We pray that we will not perish. Any other thing? We love the world as Christ Yes, that's what we love. As Christ loves, we love others. Let's pray for that. You know, it's difficult for people to even pray that we need to pray that we will love the way Christ loved us. We pray for that. It's something we have to ask. Sure. So there are so many things from that passage, and we all pray, either quietly, pray in small groups, pray. You know, in Africa, there are times we like to make it loud. You know, and then the leader will seal the prayer and say, when next are we going to meet? And they'll meet. Our DBS groups meet every week. Now, just to end, there are two types of discovery Bible studies we run in our own movement. Two. We run a discovery Bible studies that is only for those that are within the church. All right? For those within the church. And the reason why we do that is that we also want to grow them into maturity. Because you, you don't leave the church out. The church is the hope for the world. 
I'm convinced. It's a hope for the world. So you, we do a discovery Bible studies within the church. And then we do discovery Bible studies outside the church. Within the church is for believers. Outside the church is to create, have opportunity to create relationship with the lost. So that through that, the lost will fall in love with Jesus. And they are even discipled before conversion. And they are baptized. And we also do it in our own context. We do it. We use it to start small groups that will become churches. So we use a lot of that. They are small groups and they become churches. Most of the churches we plant, we call them rabbit churches. Rabbit churches. Because the rabbit multiplies so fast. <laughs> you know, but you can be a rabbit church that multiplies fast. But that rabbit church can grow to become an elephant church. But normally when a rabbit church becomes an elephant church, I call it an elephant with a rabbit's DNA. <laughs> Even though it's big, but it has this rabbit DNA of reproducing very fast. Because the issue is making disciples that obey and reproducing. That's what is important. So we'll end there. Any, few, any questions? Yeah. We've got about uh, two or three minutes. So right. any quick, quick questions? Any questions? Yes. Okay, this man here. So what I heard you saying is this is a relational way of doing it. It's not just uh, just speaking to a journal audience, but specific to that person. That's the discipleship you're talking okay, about. Okay, repeating the question. Is He's hearing saying this is a relational way of doing this. Yeah, I'm, it's a relational discipleship. But you can do it in small groups, in a small group setting. I would encourage people, 10 is a group that you can manage. You know, you can have several discipleship groups. For example, in my own context, we have a group that we meet on Monday, another group that we meet on Tuesday, one that we meet on Thursday. So I already have three discipleship group meeting and of five, 10 people. So I'm meeting with like 30 people, but I'm meeting them different days. At least within 45 minutes, one hour per day. So that's it. And then you encourage them. Now in a discipleship, you identify natural leaders in that group. Okay. And then once you identify those natural leaders, you begin to spend more time with the natural leaders, invest in them, and they will begin, to, you tell them, okay, you go and start other groups. And by doing that, they are growing. Three quick ways I would say that if you want to really quickly just coach people into this process. One, you do it and they watch. You do it and they watch. You do it and they watch. You know, just tell them, watch me how I'm doing it. The second way is that you do it together. Yeah. So, for example, if we have 10 questions, so ask what I do is I tell them ahead of time, you are going to ask three questions when we meet next week. You are going to ask three. You are going to ask three. I will only ask one question. So we do it together. So as they do this, they grow, they have confidence. The next thing is that they do it and I watch. I tell them, you are going to do it. My job is to watch you do it. And once they begin to do it, you know, they will always leave room for failure. They will fall down, but you course correct. You know, nobody has disowned his baby because the baby started to walk and fell down. Mm -hmm. right. You are still happy because the baby has started walking. Right. So we have to understand that. You course correct, and then they continue to do it. Once they begin to do it well, tell them, you are great, guys. Ladies, you are really great. I want you to find five people and start a Discovery Bible study group. Now they have confidence. They have assurance they're going to do it. I will still meet with them once a week just to encourage them, build them up, pray with them, but they will do it. And they repeat the same process. Okay. Yes. Yes. A hand in this other. Yeah. How do you choose what passage you're going to invest in? Okay. Yeah. Question is how do you choose what passage you're going to study? Now, um, what we do is that 
For me, there's a passage from creation to Jesus. I mean, but what I have done in my Discovery Bible study, some people, you miss them at the point. So I always start with the passage at the point of their need. I, I, I started going to, to, to the field to play um, to soccer coaches that were in the field. I wanted to reach out to them. The only way I had to do it was to be part of the soccer team. So I went there, I would take all the training, all the drilling. We play soccer together. These guys were hitting me hard. And they will laugh, and I'm saying, don't worry, when Jesus, when Jesus hits you, it will be harder than this. Ah. <laughs> By the end of the day, I was able to get one of the coach. He became my friend, and I said, I'm also a coach. He said, really? I said, yes. I said, I'm a spiritual coach. He said, what is a spiritual coach? I said, well, I started coaching him. He got saved, I baptized him, and I said, you have these other coaches, can you do it with them? He started it, and today... We have a whole soccer team that we use to uh, find places of peace plant churches. We have teams. These coaches are training other coaches today. So the issue is that there are times you start from the place of need. If love is what they need, start from love, then you can move them to creation. Or if you start with Muslims, we always start from creation. You start from creation to Christ. Not with Christ. We start from creation. We have passages. Um, we have passages that we have that is a a whole thing that we have that is available that we can maybe help you to make use of. Yeah. Okay, this gentleman's the last question. Oh, there's a hand there. Oh, is there a hand? Sorry, yeah, there's that, that hand. All right, go yeah. That Please. hand. Okay, so I'll say the question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're only using one passage with no cross-reference, how do you avoid taking things out of context? Okay, now what we do is that, let's say you are doing, you are discovering the power of love. Now the issue here is that you are not only going to use one verse on that. You are going to use several verses in the scripture. Several. But for that space, every time you meet, maybe you are going to do three or four verses or ten verses. You still continue. Next week we are going to continue this, and we are going to look at these other verses. Next week we are going to continue, we are going to look at these other verses. So the issue here is that, but if you begin now and begin to bring all the cross-references, the chances for you to even go halfway is difficult. But you have chance. We do some Discovery Bible studies, maybe some Discovery Bible studies, eight weeks. We meet every week. So we, if you have references in other passages, you can bring them in the next training. So that's what we do. Yes. Um, you talked about your context would there be any differences in, in context here? Would there be any differences doing this here in the U.S.? I think the difference in the context is that, you know, um, I tell people there are a lot of good things in this culture that I have come to observe over the years. One powerful thing you people have is that food. Americans, you love food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you really hang out on this food thing. So I'm telling you, I tell America, that is one good way to really find places of peace and even start discovering Bible studies. Starbucks, I've seen men wake up by 6 in the morning, go and get some Starbucks. Yeah. My goodness. That is a powerful tool. You can get someone there, and you can do a discovery Bible studies. Amen. Now, the context is that you can keep it short, because also here people have short time. So I would say maybe you can keep it in 20, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You have to put it within the context. You know what are the things that you can start with within this context that people are going to really. So you can look for those things in the scripture. But the principles are the same. You can change a little bit to fit the context in which you find yourself. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, 
my wife and I did a, because we're out of time, uh, we did a video teaching about this in the US context. So I'll just put the, the domain name up here. So if you want to watch that, it's a follow-up. So it's dandelionresourcing.com. And if you click on the blog tab, so dandelion like the seat head, resourcing.com. And then there's a blog tab and there's a bunch of video trainings we do there. So there's one on Discovery Bible Study, which will just be aware slightly, I mean, brilliantly done today by Shadonki, contextualizing it to prove you can do it here uh, in the States. Okay. Are we end with one minute prayer? Yes. 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 Father, you assured us, you said to us in your word, that you are the light of our salvation. You are the strength of our life. God, when you are for us, who will be against us? When you are a refuge and our strength, a very present person in times of problem, God, we are confident that one thing we desire, we will seek after, that we may dwell in your house all the days of our life. Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will breathe on us a new breath of life. Yeah. Father, we just pray that you will touch our hearts and God use us as instrument of change. Yeah. Abba, Father, there's nothing that you cannot do. Yeah. You said what is impossible with man is possible with you. You are the impossibility specialist. Use us men and women here. Use them mightily. In this land and beyond this land, Father, use them to be disciples and disciple makers who will make disciples, who will make disciples. Generational discipleship making. And Father, what you did for your children in the book of Acts, Jesus, do it through the power of the Holy Spirit in the church in America. Father, I know, I have this confidence that this nation is coming back to you. And so we say, God, give us America. Give us America, God. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to download the free primer of Revival Starts Here by Dave Clayton. Go to discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for Revival Starts Here, the primer. Thanks. We'll see you next time.